to Wings Nuts, the program that talks each and every episode of classic 90s sitcom Wings. Come along with us and make it a blockbuster night. Today we are talking about season two, episode one, which is called The Puppet Master. The original air date is September 28th, 1990. I'm Jared here with Emerson. How are you doing, Emerson? I'm doing well. How you doing, Jared? Spectacular, as good as I can be. Got back from the dentist not too long ago. Ooh, uh, how did that go? It went. Not a fan. Okay. They got to crown me up, so I have a, a nasty cavity. Wow, just like the country of England, Jared's mouth is getting a new crown. Yes. Did they wait? Did they give Charles a new crown, or did they just hand him uh, the dusty old crown that Elizabeth's been wearing for all yeah, these years? I think he he put on his mommy's crown. He had, they had to like spray it for lice. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Like a bowling alley shoe. This is Jared's first time are watching these episodes. Um, yes. I've seen the, this show before, but it's been a long time. And so it's kind of like a lot of these episodes are brand new for me. Did, did this one have a familiar ring to it like you had seen this one before? No, not at all. Okay, good. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I like this episode. I did too, for sure. I found a lot of mirrors between this and episode one of the first season. They're both the only episode where we see that second tier... Of the stage, I believe. The upstairs, like the lockers area? Yeah. Okay. I feel like we didn't see that in any other episode. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, because that's where Lowell throws down the luggage and he mm-hmm. says, keep in mind the scratch already existed before. <laughs> and before we get too far into it, we should say there is something special about this episode and we'll run into this going forward. If you are watching Wings on streaming, you will not be able to find this episode on Peacock. The Peacock has plucked the lovely feather that is this episode. Or also Paramount Plus. Or also, you definitely won't find any episode of Wings on Paramount Plus, but you might find the classic. Paramount 19- Plus is the, is the uh, <laughs> that's what I've been paying for. Oh, wait, isn't, is this on Peacock? No, it's or? on Paramount Plus. Okay, <laughs> I get those two confused. So Understandably. Um, yeah, so you will not find this episode on Paramount Plus. It's. Or on Amazon Prime, I like even yeah. search to see if I could buy like pay three bucks for it, and it wasn't on there either. Hot tip to our listeners: if you want to watch the show before you uh, listen to us talk about it, why don't you go ahead and give us an email at wingsnutsprogram at gmail dot com, and we may just have a super secret way for you to view this episode before listening. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Say no more. Say no more. I will. I mean, I could also throw out that you could also just bring it real quick and maybe find it on Vimeo or Daily Motion. Yeah, Daily Motion. I saw a few episodes on there, mm-hmm. and they kind of. One thing is, I saw people mirror the screen to kind of get around the. Yeah, the quality isn't as good. Yeah, for sure. So IMDb synopsis uh, reads: Trying to get Helen to change her policy about dating pilots, Brian hires an actor to pretend to be a pilot but who shares the same interests that Helen has. It isn't long before they're dating, but things go awry when the guy really falls for Helen and she makes some decisions that will greatly affect her life. Directed by M. Night Shyamalan. Also known as Gnome Pitlick. Is that really his name? That's the director of several of these episodes. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. I think his name really is M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> yeah, that'd, that'd be a great plot twist if, yeah. if he was known Pitlick. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, writer of this episode, Philip Lezebnik. Not much to say about either. They, they've they been with us for a couple episodes now. 
So, so should we start as we usually do with newspaper headlines? Yeah, let's do it. Headlines from the newspaper that shares the same date as the airing of this episode, September 28th, 1990. I wonder if you and I are going to start with the same one about the church elder who raped and murdered the 13-year-old girl. I actually didn't read this one. It's pretty awful. Um, basically, it's this guy. He's like a 52-year-old man in Kingston, I believe. Like the, the shitty detail that I found in the article, it said that he's like a church elder and that he's like a local guy and voices in his head told him to like attack this girl and he tortured her, ended up killing her. And then before he was caught, apparently he like led the congregation in a prayer to help find her safely. Oh, yeah. And that just feels extra gross. Um, but he was indicted or yeah, he was found guilty and he was um, put in prison and he died in prison in the year 2000 of our Lord. Praise Jesus. Amen. Has there been a uh, Netflix miniseries about him yet? I don't know, because he only killed the one person. Yeah, you got to have a higher body count. Yeah, probably. Actually, the first article I noted was the headline from page one, Oil Hits $40. Bush seeks to dive deeper into reserves. And as we'll get to the conflict, the first Gulf conflict in Iraq was just gearing up right around this time. So our podcast is going to meet the Persian Gulf War. And this relates to that. It's noting that oil rose to $40 because Iraq at this point had invaded Kuwait. And Saddam Hussein was threatening to blow up Saudi oil fields if UN sanctions on Iraq had a negative impact on their economy. And I just noted that a barrel of oil today is $85. And I'm sure we'd be ecstatic if it was back down to $40 today. In terms of inflation, that I think that's like actually slower than the rest of the economy. No fooling. Yeah. Well, I do know that we've been up to like $120 a barrel at certain okay. points. So right now it's actually kind of low for, for us given the economy and everything. But So I found a, f- a pretty fun article on page eight about an Israeli bank robber called Biker Bank. His name is Biker Bank? That's his nickname. It's a, it's a really quick article. Israel's bandit biker strikes again, but basically this guy, he would, he would like go in and out of a bank within 40 seconds wearing like, um, a motorcycle helmet, you know, gloves. He like just kind of covered up. And what this guy would do, because this article is written and, and, um, I followed up with it to find out what happened to him afterwards. And so they, they, they later learned that what he would do is he would walk in, demand money from the teller, fire one shot into the ceiling. You know, at most, he never hurt anybody, never killed anybody. Fill up whatever, like, I think tuck the money into his waistband, tuck the gun into his waistband, exit the bank, get on, get on his motorcycle, ride around like a couple corners, ride up a ramp, park the bike into the back of a truck, close up the truck, you know, take off the helmet, well, take off the helmet, take off the jacket, take off the gloves close up the truck, walk back to the bank. And then when like the police inevitably were like, uh, sir, this is like a crime scene. He'd go, oh, I really, my wife is going to kill me if I don't deposit this money. Walk into the bank, deposit the money that he had just stolen. What? This guy is kind of like a hero. That That's bananas to think about because you hardly anyone ever makes a huge cash deposit like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he was making huge deposits. I think over mm-hmm. the course of... 25 robberies yes um he only stole maybe like four hundred thousand dollars okay so which is still a pretty good amount of money but like it's not like 
you know, crazy, crazy. And so I read, I listened to um, a moth story that his son told about it. And like his son said that at the time, everybody in Israel was following these news stories and mm-hmm. be like, wow, who is this guy? This like super cool, almost like Bonnie and Clyde where people were like, women were like, we love you, biker bank, whatever. He's the coolest guy ever. And this kid was like also same, you know, felt the same way. He was like, yeah, this guy's rad. And then one day knock on the door, it's the police. And they're like, oh yeah, we just um, arrested your dad, you know, with bike, motorcycle helmet, jacket and stuff. And, you know, this kid was like my like beer belly dad. I don't, I can't imagine (laughs) that he, uh, you know, he's not this guy. And he like, like kind of goes on to tell in the story that his dad was kind of like a macho. Also his dad was the son of, like, the wealthiest family in Israel. Yes. So he was, like, he's part of, like, he's comes from money, and um, he's, like, the son says that he, his family sat him down. They're, like, we need you to start taking over the business. He goes and he does all this, spends time in jail. And the, ki- the kid kind of says, like, you know, in the end, it was kind of a good thing because he had this real kind of over-machismo idea of how, like, men should be, and then... Mm-hmm. I'm an adult now with like kids in Manhattan and when my dad, you know, who's still alive now and out of jail, when my dad walks in and sees like my son wearing a dress, it makes me kind of happy that like he wasn't there to like dissuade that. This sounds like the character uh, Ryan Gosling played in Place Beyond the Pines. I never watched that. Yeah. In that movie, he robs banks, hops on a motorcycle and drives it into the back of a truck. Okay. I'm someone, uh, we'll have to investigate if there's some inspiration there for that. Maybe. That's a wild story. Yeah. Um, page 10, I noted the headline, Kuwait's Emir Pleads Before the UN. Now, I just want to say, like I said, I'm imagining the next couple, the whole, probably the whole of season two, we're going to be getting a lot of Iraq stories because that was the big story of the day. Uh, but with, regarding this, basically the deposed Emir Sheikh Jabbar Ahmad Jabbar Sabah. Sorry, I probably pronounced most of that wrong. But he went before the UN to lament the invasion of Kuwait in in Iraq and call for international action. There are a lot of other articles in this issue I won't get into, but they kind of relate to Saudi Arabia and Egypt and how the broader region is reacting to Iraq invading Kuwait. Interesting. I mean, we know we now know that the U.S. had either encouraged Saddam to invade or at the very least gave him assurances that, you know, we wouldn't stand in his way. WikiLeaks has previously released materials related to meetings with Saddam and April Glaspie, who was the U.S. ambassador to Iraq at the time. And the U.S. and Bush himself, H.W. Bush, had supported Hussein in Iraq in like the Iran-Iraq war, for instance. And the events unfolding here in 1990 are kind of like that inflection point where that friendship between H.W. and Saddam has kind of turned sour. I'd hate to be friends with H.W. Bush because he has no loyalty. Like just a few weeks ago, we talked about Panama and Noriega. Yeah, but I bet he's got all the coolest Nintendo games. (laughs) (laughs) No, I agree. Yeah, he's a total piece of shit. I don't want this to become an Iraq, uh, Persian Gulf War, Iraq War number one podcast, but I imagine we're going to be getting like a lot of Iraq stuff. Well, I got um, something lighter on page 37. <laughs> this is Ann Lander's gem of the day. Oh, Lord, fill my mouth with worthwhile stuff and nudge. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sorry, let me say let me start that again. Go go on in. Oh Lord, fill my mouth with worthwhile stuff and nudge me when I've said enough. Mm. Talk to me, Anne. That's it. The way why did Ann Lander say that? That's just her gem of the day. That's her gem of the day? Yeah, she she does like a whole like question and answer and then at the end she added a little gem of the day. Can anyone explain that to me? We'll try to get Ann Landers on the line next uh, episode. Well, thanks, Ann, for that. Or maybe we'll see if she can call in at the end of the episode. Yes. <laughs> well, I found a little blurb on page 46. Ooh, uh, okay, I think I know, know what this is. Is this the uh, David Lynch one? Yes. Well, I beat you to the punch. but uh, Awesome. I love it. But they were actually quoting an interview from Time. Uh, I'll quote here. Lynch likes a cool kitchen. I don't allow cooking in my house. The smell of cooking. When you have drawings or even writings, the smell would go all over my work. So I eat things you don't have to light a fire for. Or else I order a pizza. The speed at which I eat it, it doesn't smell up the place too bad. So you found this too, right? I did, yeah. yeah. I thought it was delightful. I can never tire of hearing uh, David Lynch's eating habit stories. 100%. Yeah. The previous page actually had a little article about it's a concert review of the MC Hammer concert. Yes, I did read that. Yes. Uh, quite the starry legions turned out to see rapper MC Hammer last night at the Centrum. New Kids on the Block were there. So was Celtic center Robert Parrish. And so was Red Sox pitcher Roger Clemens, who sat in a private box watching both the show and the TV set carrying his team's win over Detroit. And I recall, like, they actually didn't really enjoy the performance all that much in the article from my reading. They said there was too much downtime and that there was too much, like, filler. It just felt like they were they were trying to buy time. Yeah. So I also actually, on page 46, so, so I like this because it touches on two things that I think I think are interesting. As the Paramount didn't have enough trouble worrying whether or not the public would accept Francis Ford Coppola's Godfather 3 when it opens on Christmas. So this is, we're in a pre-Godfather 3 era. Um, they've now got a different problem. August Wilson, who sold the rights to his play Fences to the studios, is insisting on a black director. The playwright said he is uh, seeking a director who would approach my work with the same amount of passion and measure of respect with which I approach it. The last time I looked, all those directors were black, Wilson told Spin Magazine. And that move that movie took sixteen years to come yeah, out. That came out a few years ago. Directed Den- by Denzel Washington. I thought yeah. it was a pretty good movie. I haven't seen it yet. I'll have to check that one out. I love uh, anything with Denzel. It's it's cool. It feels like a play. Yeah, so the episode starts with Faye um, on the intercom talking about her roses. Feel free to go and admire them. And if anybody messes with them, she's got a fungo bat that she'll chase them away with. And I had to do research to find out what the hell that yeah. is. Because, like, who outside of, like, a Little League coach knows what a fungo bat is? Or was that more common knowledge back in the, the yeah. 90s? I mean, that's a thing that made me go, huh? The, a fungo bat is, like, a lighter and I think, like, uh, with a bigger diameter bat that coaches and they also say parents can use to hit grounders so that, like, mm. the, the player, Little League players can practice fielding. Yeah, I had to do an image search to see what the hell that is. And they, they bring it up later in the show, too. The, uh, the guest star notes that he was being chased by an old lady with a fungo bat. Yeah, and both times when I, when I first heard it, because not, not being on Paramount+, Plus, I lost subtitles. Mm. And so I had to, like, I found um, a transcript... Of the whole episode, and oh, then wow. was able to find what she says exactly. And I was like, oh, fun go bat. Because yeah. that's the thing about me. I do not have very good hearing. 
That's awesome. He found a transcript. Yeah. Almost immediately, Brian runs in the airport to kind of heckle and pester Helen for a date. And what what kind of tie is he wearing in this one? <laughs> Brian's tie report. This was not the. T- he had three ties. I counted three ties. Yeah, this I wrote episode. down that. I wrote that down too. Three ties. And I also noticed that they've gotten wider since last season. I, f- I feel like. They oh, were, good. They were all kind of wide. And the first tie wasn't the most interesting, I would say. I, l- I love the third tie the most. But that first tie is kind of like uh, diagonal lines, but then like a snaky kind of line going up through it. Then uh, later on, he has a kind of a tie with huge polka dots on it and then smaller polka dots as well. We probably have the same favorite tie from this. This episode has a clear tie winner. One, two, three, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. (laughs) He has a tie with the state of Wisconsin on it, a cow over the state, and then a couple lines underneath there of words. I could not read what they were. It says Wisconsin as well, right? It says Wisconsin at the top, and then underneath the cow, there's like two lines. Um, I couldn't tell what they were. Were you able to make those words out at all? I wasn't. You know what? We should fire up the DVD a little bit later and see if... um... Yes. If we can find it. Yeah, we'll report back. But anyway, he so he hits on Helen. Helen, of course, is like, I don't date pilots, blah, blah, blah. They have, a, they have some pretty funny banter. Mm-hmm. I think they're arrogant or whatever. And he's or like, they think they're part of some special club. And he's like, well, can you fly a plane? Yes. <laughs> oh, and during this whole scene, Helen is cooking. She's yes. She's got like a saucepan. I was trying to figure out if she's like making gravy or mm-hmm. some kind of stew or maybe like something sweet. Did I saw you? her chopping a bit too. Yeah, so maybe she's yeah. making like a, a like a gravy stew, or maybe it's just the actor. What about soup? Maybe it could be soup. Yeah, people like having soup at lunch. Yeah, it is like a smaller saucepan though. That's why I don't think it's soup because I think soup would be like in a bigger cauldron. But what's she even have a goddamn kitchen for? She's out just making soup on the counter. Yeah, good point. Um, and then we see Joe, mm-hmm. and Joe is reading a newspaper, mm-hmm. and you guys. This is a real Nantucket newspaper. Really? It's called... I didn't the, know that. It's called the Inquirer and Mirror. It is a Nantucket weekly. I found um, archives with all the news or with every like weekly issue going back. And so I started uh, September of 1990 to, oh, see, shit. to see if it would match. I had to go back a full year before I found the issue that that Joe was reading. And I, could, like, I like, lined it up because... You can see like a tent. Yes. You the found co- the exact issue? I found the exact issue. And I think wow. I found the article that Joe is reading. Let me read you the headline. What's Joe reading? Page 6A. Lights, camera, action. Film crew to come to Nantucket. Hmm. <laughs> By Hobson Woodward, staff writer. It's official. It'll be lights, camera, action on the island in a couple of weeks when Hollywood comes to town to film opening shots for a new television series pilot. The selectmen and the airport commission gave the go-ahead Wednesday for Paramount Pictures to come to the island sometime this month for two or three days of day and night filming for a pilot for a proposed NBC TV series called Wings. No shit. Joe's reading an article about the show that he's on. Yeah, that's some like Land O'Lakes butter uh, nesting doll. Yes. We are officially meta. I'm flabbergasted also that you just found this newspaper. I mean, I think we would be derelict in our duties if we don't start culling articles out of this newspaper too. Do you think that's possible? Absolutely. In fact, I did. 
if I had found it last year, I would have, or, or I would have done this work then. But I'm gonna pull up a few. I think I wrote down. Okay, give me one second. Um, so this is April 1990. This would have been the day. I think the day of the pilot. The day that the pilot aired. I'm pretty sure. Okay. I think that's why I looked it up. The one of the front page articles. Endangered owls see habitat falling prey to development. What? Isn't that wild? So like yeah. later later in the season when they wrote that episode where Faye's protecting the owls and then Lowell runs over them. I wonder how like the locals felt about that. Yeah, they, this so it like really related to a a matter of local interest. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, this article made me laugh. James Blair on computer buzzwords. <laughs> Hit it, James. When you hear people talking about computers, do you feel intimidated or confused because they use a lot of strange words? Well, those buzzwords make computers seem more complex than they actually are. Exotic, high-tech terms like RAM or ROM (laughs) really have simple meanings. For example, RAM stands for Random Access Memory. Ah, the the Daft Punk album? Yeah. He goes on to say that ROM stands for Random. Oh, yeah, read-only memory... A program is the, is the application used to do a given type of task. He says that in the year of our Lord 2022, Elon Musk will buy Twitter and make it a lot better in some ways. Come on. Others. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're getting me up my goat there. Um, but I, I thought that was funny. But also, yeah. I mean, that's it's also appropriate for the time. Like, yes. This is people do not really know. I wouldn't have known that. Yeah. I, I would have read the article and been like, oh, cool. Wow. <laughs> um, the last one I wanted to grab was. So this is an article, Airport Crew, it was based on, gives thumbs up to wings. Okay. And it's an article basically about um, like various staff and crew that worked at the, um, the Nantucket Island. Do you remember what it's uh, called? Tom Memorial. Fields? Well, no, because Tom Never Fields is, like a, is, a, oh. is a fictional. It's called like Nantucket Memorial Airport, I think. Okay. And um, they all piled into the bar, to the airport bar. And watched it. They had to kick out a bunch of people watching the hockey playoffs and okay. send them off to like a local bar. But they all watched it and they said, yeah, it doesn't really look like the airport, but it catches the feel. Yes. One guy, like, one guy didn't really like it, but he's like, but then again, cheers started slow. So maybe this one will <laughs> eventually uh, get there. And also, let me see if like, I can, I'll, I'll have my laptop over to you. There's a picture. picture here. There's Nantucket oh, wow. Airlines. And then also, I mean, they're, they're pretty bad pictures, but the one on the right is like the bar. That I think maybe okay. Helen's counter was based on. Well, that's great. So there is um, a basis in real life, real people for for wings. Yeah. We promise we'll start checking out uh, contemporaneous articles from what's it called, the Nantucket Observer uh, Mirror or something. Inquirer. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the Inquirer and Mirror. Okay. Cool. So we'll we'll. And maybe we can link that first Wings article up on our Twitter. Oh yeah, for people to see. One one last thing, real quick. So like, I found one other piece of content about Wings, uh, a little cartoon called Nantunket by Michel M I C H E L or Michael. I don't know. Maybe it's Michel Gondry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I am done uh, making the, the little comic strips uh, for your uh, newspaper. I am going to direct a Bjork video. <laughs> So this video, this ca- little cartoon is a, a pelican on like a trash-filled beach with uh, the TV show Wings on a, a little TV on a stand. And uh, the pelican's going, quiet down. 
My second of fame is about to roll. <laughs> okay. Mm. This is the, this is you know the important kind of research that our listeners have come to rely on us for. Mm. Is it because it's a winged bird? No, I think it's um, I think it's they're making fun of Nantucket. Okay. They're just being like, oh, all these people, all these locals that are excited about a TV show about their hometown. Yeah. Oh, my second of fame. <laughs> Probably some cynical. I bet Michelle. Maybe that was one of the birds that's squawking at the beginning on the opening credits. Oh yeah, maybe. I bet M- Mitchell Michelle is like the life yeah. of the party. Oh yeah. So Joe Helen was being heckled by Brian for a date, and Joe was reading the paper there. And then is this where uh, Mark rolls in? The actor? Uh, not or Matt? Matt. Yeah, not yet. We we get the introduction of like the B story, which is. Roy and Lowell goofing with their new walkie-talkies. Oh yeah, I love this V story actually. Yes. Yeah, so we see Roy, and he uh, he like saunters up to to Faye's counter, and he goes, "Watch this, right? Something along those lines." Mm-hmm. And he pop like he, and I remember being so excited about walkie-talkies when I was younger. Yes. Yeah. Um, he like pulls out a walkie-talkie and he like presses the button. And he goes, "Lowell, meet me at the counter." And then Lowell immediately comes from the back. Do you remember what happens exactly here? Yeah, he's excited because his new walkie high-tech walkie-talkie system worked, but it turns out Lowell had really just come out coincidentally looking for the walkie-talkie that Roy gave him, and it's still behind the counter. Yep. The thing that was really funny to me is like now that Lowell has retrieved the walkie-talkie, he goes, if you need me, call me on this thing, and I'll be here on the double. But then he sets down the walkie-talkie on the counter again and walks away. Oh, he d- I didn't so notice he that. he didn't even take it with him. Oh, yeah. that's so funny. Yeah, but it, this kind of introduces some walkie-talkie hijinks. Oh, I had a question. Helen's whole thing established in the first season is that she does not date pilots. Do you That's think? Right. Do you think that if this is the 1700s, that her whole thing would be that she does not date pirates? Yeah, yeah <laughs> most definitely. <laughs> yeah, they get a lot of hay out of this. And, you know, I wonder if she really just doesn't want to date either of them and can't think of a better excuse. Maybe, yeah. I know we talked about Brian's ties already. Mm-hmm. I want to double back real quick because... Uh, I wrote down st- street lamps. Oh, do you think that's what that first tie was? I think it might have been street lamps. Okay, that makes sense to me. Yeah, I'm glad you doubled back because I actually uh, forgot to mention. You know, I reached out to a production supervisor from uh, Wings in in this era. Uh, her name is Deborah Beebe. Mm-hmm. Sorry if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, but I asked her like, we're super interested in Brian's ties. Do you have any context or information about like? Where did you get these ties? That sort of thing. And she responded back to me. She said, uh, Brian's ties were, for the most part, vintage 1940s. We rented from costume houses or purchased from vintage shops. It was similar for a lot of phase brooches, vintage silver and fun designs. Wings was a fun show to work on. And then she sent me a pr- hands and prayer emoji. That's so cool. That doesn't surprise me because I think you and I have both done some Google, eBay searching, trying to find some of these ties and hopefully acquire some, but I have not been able to find any. Yeah, they're uh, they're difficult to find. I especially when I was trying to find that Wisconsin tie because, yeah, I wanted to see what that what it said under, underneath the state. Oh, my God. I would love to sport a Wisconsin tie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, continuing on, it's set up now. Brian is going to hire an actor named Matt mm-hmm. to play Helen's dream guy. And he'll be, you know, everything that Helen could want in a man, her Kermit the Frog, but he will turn out to be a pilot. Yeah, the idea is that it will then force Helen to question 
her rigidity in that philosophy or in yes. that, I don't know if philosophy is the right word, but basically question herself and maybe bend and sleep with Brian. Yeah. It sets up a Three's Company-esque type of plot where there's... Yeah. there's there's It's a unique plot. They haven't really used a plot like this in this show where um, some people have some information, others don't. And it's just, I would call them hijinks. There's a lot of hijinks in this episode. I also wrote, okay, so I wrote something, I wrote a paragraph about this um, that you can edit to make me sound really stupid if you want to. Great. This is a pretty fun episode. Two plus two equals 11. I'm smart. <laughs> okay. So I wrote, this is a pretty fun episode. It's also weird to hear Brian's philosophy of wanting women to either love him or hate him, but like, but not the in-between of friendship. And he says, this bizarre middle ground of adult mature friendship just makes my skin crawl. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I was wondering, is, is this reflective of the time? Like when Harry met Sally yeah, at, at the root of the movie, that it's not possible for men and women to be friends without sleeping with each other eventually. Yeah. I don't know. It's like this is a ridiculous idea that maybe Brian truly views women as objects. Yes. Yeah. And is he only interested in, in interacting with them as either sexual objects or like different ways to kind of like build up his like sexual ego? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's kind of a chauvinistic take and like kind of like a masculine type view for sure. And I also wrote that it kind of plays into Jared's philosophy about the brothers having a secret gay thing. Yes. <laughs> like uh, not that gay men hate women, but maybe Brian looks to men for uh, deeper relationships. Yeah. Like he can only, like you said, women are uh, sexual romantic objects and he can ro- really only have friendship through men. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely rubs of toxic masculinity that Helen's in this liminal space where she she can't make sense to him because she's a friend, but she's not. She's she looks not like one of them girls in the middle of the magazine. Yes. Exactly. Uh, well, if I'm supposed to be friends with you, what can we talk about? Magazine folks. <laughs> <laughs> this first interaction where he's kind of un- letting Joe in on his uh, nefarious plot. Mm-hmm. They're up on that second tier of the stage, up yeah. where the lockers are. He's kind of doing a bit of business of playing the puppet master. And he's kind of using his hands to pretend he's puppeteering Matt and Helen. Which I thought was actually pretty funny. Yeah. And I like that stage picture a lot. Like, yeah. It's like, honestly, the the, the most wide shot I think you, you ever see in the show. Mm-hmm. Especially that stage where it's like, yeah, they're up on top and he's doing the whole Geppetto thing. You hear, oh, he, when he talks about who Matt is. Yes. He's uh, like giving his like acting credentials and he, he like mentions two things that Joe doesn't know. Then he's like, well, he's in a Milk of, Mag- Milk of Magnesia ad. Yes. Joe goes, oh, very convincing discomfort. Yes. <laughs> I like that line a lot. Yeah. Uh, Matt is played by Craig Bierko, which I would say is a, a kind of a household name. People know who Craig Bierko is, right? I don't know who that is. Well, he yeah, he's definitely an actor I'm familiar with. He's He has a lot of illustrious titles, still a working actor. Because all the listeners probably are familiar with him, I really only noted him here for two of his credits that are of particular interest to me. Wings, Puppet Master, Act 1, and Wings, Puppet Master, Act 2. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, he was in the ill-fated American remake of Red Dwarf, which also featured Dane, Jane Leaves from Frasier. Are you a Red Dwarf guy? Nope. I mean, I kind of look like a red dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, a a sci-fi series, but a great British BBC sci-fi series, and they did a, um, a an American remake. You can find it on YouTube. And folks, if you want to see uh, my resemblance to a red dwarf, look me up on 
Instagram, Emerson Really Really. I am a redheaded man who is kind of short, so I think it works. <laughs> I think it was a, right. you guys. Once you guys look at me up, you'll be slapping your knee. Emer- Emerson's the true American remake of Red Dwarf. I'm also single, ladies, so just keep that in mind. You know, I'm not interested in friendship. Not that. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that icky nether region. Yeah. Coincidentally, he acted again with Steven Weber in the Larry David film Sour Grapes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, th- that movie has a bad reputation, but I'd say it's, I en- I enjoyed it. It's not as bad as everyone said. Like bad reputation and just like panned or did it, does it have problematic? Or what, what's that it was word? Uh, critically panned, bombed. I mean, I, I think it had a very short run in the theaters, a very limited bombed and it's, it's not well liked. And even in um, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Larry David makes jokes about it. Okay. But it's not like it has like, it's, you know, like how some old movies just don't age well. It's not like one of those situations, is it? If anything, it's probably too pedestrian for fans of Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm. Okay. Um, so during this scene when we, we meet Matt, he's humming a Schobert, Schobert? Schubert, Schubert yeah. song. And Helen like catches it. She's like, humming some Schubert. And he's like, oh, like, yeah, this is my favorite something or other. And she's like immediately interested this is this is a handsome man so she's like wow all right like look at this guy at my counter he's talking about he's visiting the island to like work on his summer home he's painting she's like oh what, what are you painting he's like i'm painting the deck because uh on my summer home mm-hmm. is this when we cut to joe and brian up in the raptors yes doing the puppet master in the background we hear helen say finally somebody that doesn't like sushi did she say that for real? Yeah. I, I missed that line. Is Helen just like culinarily kaput? Yeah, <laughs> like, like, okay, she hates tofu she hates and tofu. she hates sushi? Also later she hates cappuccino. Do you think she's food racist? Maybe. Well, yeah, she just, she just likes American. Like, yeah. Like, cappuccino, no. Give that, get that Italian food away from me. <laughs> yeah. She's doing that accent. Um, and and is she like the most uninteresting character ever, or does do these things make her more interesting? Maybe they do. Does this make her more endearing to like Midwest hairy bellies drinking Bud Light in the recliners, chuckling, going, "Hell yes, I hate that French shit too." <laughs> also, all coffee mostly, but especially cappuccinos. Apologies to the Midwestern listeners. I just lost all one of you. <laughs> yeah, toodaloo. Did you think Matt and Helen had chemistry there? I did, yeah. They looked like a good couple, but he he's basically being paid to pretend to be a different version of Matt that's interested in her. And they go on a date, don't they? They go on a date, yeah. We see the next day when she returns from the the date glowing and so happy. Mm-hmm. This is, this is what she says, yeah, like blah, blah, blah. Had great cappuccino, had great sex, and then like Joe's like, "What?" And he's like, "I just want to see if you are listening. You know, yeah. I hate cappuccinos." Yes. <laughs> and Matt comes back, and he has a rose, and he mentions that an old lady chased him with a fungo bat when yes. he picked the rose. Yep. So at some point, we cut back to the walkie-talkie bit. Yeah. So Roy and Faye are talking. Um, I f- I forget how this plays out exactly, but like Roy's calling out for Lowell. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I can't talk now, Faye. I got Lowell on the line. And then Lowell's like, Roy, can I talk to Faye? Because he wants a, a shrimp scampi recipe from Faye. Yes. And um, she says, uh, you take a pound of shrimp, uh, shelt, and devane. Like, Lowell goes, oh, Faye, who's Sheldon devane? <laughs> it's a stupid joke. But <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> I really this is like a very like cornball vaudeville type yes jokes that I, that I like a lot. Yeah, I really appreciate that kind of humor. Yeah, like it's Faye giving him the recipe, and then eventually Roy blowing up and being like grabbing the the walkie talkie back and being like, "Oh, if you don't get back mm-hmm. to work, I'm gonna yes." Pull. Bluto and Brutus mixed together. <laughs> then what happens? Lol goes like, Faye, are you still there? And he starts whispering. Whispering over a walkie-talkie. This is just kind of adorable. It's like just a really cute, funny scene like where it's like, uh, Lowell's like scared that Roy's mad at him. Yeah. Don't be conspicuous, but can you see Roy from where you are? <laughs> yes, I can. Is his face really red? Like a tomato. Yes, it is. Uh oh. I'll be hiding out behind the utility shed. Don't tell Roy. He won't hear it from me. We also, in this scene, get the line that Koreans eat dogs. Yes, the unfortunate line, which I actually looked it up and um, statistically. Koreans do a small percentage. I think it was like 3% of Koreans do eat dogs, Mm -hmm. which is actually less. The article noted that it's less than Sweden or Switzerland. So there are some countries where, yes, people do eat dogs, but it's like a super small percent. And it noted that it's mostly an older Korean generation. Are you familiar with the band Kick and Pickle? They have a song about this. It's called Asian Man. It's by Mike Park, who's Korean, uh, Korean American. And he, he sings... I'm sick of people always telling me that dogs shouldn't be eaten as a delicacy. Yo, it tastes good as a sandwich meat. Heck, I like it, and it's low in calories. You eat cow, and I eat dog. One moves, one barks, but both are animals. What can I say? I have a rat for a pet. Can I help it if I like to taste a man's best friend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, you know, it is, it is like culturally blind to like say oh these animals are off limits and these aren't yeah and like korea did go through a a huge war it's an insensitive kind of tasteless joke on Faye's part yeah it is it really is and but i also remember that being playground knowledge when Mm -hmm. i was growing up like and i don't know if it comes from stuff like this like if i picked it up from wings or if like it's just maybe general propaganda that gets spread around i've always been curious about how things like like you know how richard Gere supposedly had a gerbil up his ass yes how does everybody know about that gerbil gossip yeah i guess gerbil community oh it's in the gerbil whisper network where they where they crawl into your shoulder at night and they whisper it while you sleep yes but then joe and brian kind of kind of confab in the office there to touch base about about how the the ruse is going and Mm -hmm. you know, Joe is nervous and kind of not really liking this, this plot to make Helen fall for a Matt who's playing the part of a pilot. As he should be like, yeah, you don't want your friends to be taken advantage of in this way. Like, or like, yeah, yeah, being emotionally kind of teased in this way. Yes. Like it is, it's not cool. It's kind of psycho shit to hire an actor to play someone. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah, of course, to not be like manipulated, manipulated emotionally. Yeah. That's awful. Yeah, cuz like what if like what if Helen has been just depressed for the past long time long time because she's like waiting for somebody 
that hits all those. She had she had a pretty fun checklist. Mm-hmm. I just want a guy that does this, 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 and this. I don't I really thought about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then Joe at that point thought, "Oh, so you're perfect man's Kermit the Frog." Oh yeah, Which he I goes, thought was interesting. He goes, I, "Yeah, but Kermit's a frog." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Joe thinks that Kermit's the perfect man. <laughs> Joe, hey, Helen. Joe's just like. Uh, yeah, uh, me too, Helen. If I could date Hermit, I would. Come on. Get real. We can't all date Kermit. God, if if only. I'm actually, Um, Joe, I don't date pirates either. (laughs) But I do date pirates. (laughs) And then Matt kind of joins in in the, he enters the office and they give him notes on his performance, kind of. Oh, yeah. And then that's where they come up with the, I'd say the, Exit plan where they want Matt to tell Helen to give up the cello so that, you know, the the pedal will fall off the rose and she'll break up with Matt. That was Joe's idea, right? Yes. The Is it the following scene where um, Faye comes through looking for her compact? <laughs> yes. So and the- Brian and Joe are sitting at a, like a table in the foreground using the compact to like spy on Matt and Helen. Yeah. And they go, not now, Faye, we're spying, we're using the contact to spy. She goes, oh, how rude of me, or something like that. (laughs) It immediately follows where they are spying on Helen and Matt at the moment where he is sort of telling her uh, to give up the cello for him. So she storms out Mm -hmm. into the back room, and then she comes back out with the cello. And she smashes it on the counter. Yeah. Much to the surprise and shock of uh, Joe and Brian. And me too. I was like, what? Yeah. I thought she loved the cello. Matt proposes to her, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So Joe and Brian enter the fray. And then Matt takes it a step further. We learn that Helen was smashed smashed the cello because she agrees to go along with with, uh, the plan and give up the cello for Matt. Yeah. And they get engaged right then and there. Yeah. And then is this where they reveal to her that he's an actor? And she says, I already know that. He told me. Yeah. I'm in love with him. Yes. She does not. You know, we expect her to be angry at Brian's plot, but she doesn't care. She's ready to jump on the mat train. And then uh, Joe goes, way to go, Brian. You managed to get Helen, who you want to go out with, to fall for a guy who turns out to be a Violet, so she won't go out with him, but with you instead. And then Brian goes, "If we were to diagram that sentence exactly, where would you put the gerund?" Yes. So a gerund, I looked this up. A gerund or gerund, I don't know how to pronounce it properly. A gerund is a verb turned noun, usually ending in ing, like this, like something describing an instance of an occurrence as opposed to the action that caused the occurrence. Like she couldn't stand my cheating, and in that instance, cheating is a noun. And so that's a gerund. Where where cheat is the verb. Cheat would be the verb if, if we yeah. were, yeah. I've seen better playing at a Monday night trivia competition consisting of amnesiacs. Where like, I've seen, seen as the verb, playing as the noun, and then the amnesiacs couldn't handle my disrespecting, but they forgot about it soon enough. And they, they couldn't handle it. Disrespecting is the verb, or, or is the noun. By the way, fuck amnesiacs. Get a life, you losers. Anyway, that run-on sentence of Joe's does not contain a gerund as far as I can tell. That's what, that's, I, I agree. I replayed that because yeah. I'm like, there's not a ger- gerund in there. Yeah. So oh, and before I forget, I don't actually dislike amnesiacs. Oh, okay. I think they're great people. You sure? 
I mean, they won't remember this anyway. Is this also, I think, maybe my favorite line of the whole episode? I know things seem a bit convoluted at the moment, but don't worry. I got everything under control. You forget. I am the village idiot. Correct. <laughs> like, his delivery is so funny in that. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, that's that's the kind of joke that isn't that funny on the page, but the way the interplay between the actors sells it. I'm, I'm like, fully on board with Stephen Weber. I think Stephen Weber yeah. is the funniest part of the show. I agree. I think that, everybody's that... funny, but... That was the happiest discovery so far of our Wings journey is that I really dig Steven Weber. Even even playing a character with deplorable traits, Yes, he is delightful and has a certain kind of charisma to him. I don't know if Tim Daly as Brian would have been as charming and likable. I yes. think he would have, like, I mean, he's he is like a handsome, nice guy, but like, I think Brian's got that extra kind of like a little bit more like human, goofy flawed yes you know he's great so after um brian drops the bombshell that this was an actor he hired and helen doesn't care uh what does joe do joe um confesses that he's loved helen all along yeah and then she confesses that she's loved them back and they get a big time smooch on the show this is their first smooch on the show right big old smooch yeah (laughs) they are locking lips Going deep. And then Matt, the actor, comes out with a gun. He freaking pulls a gun out. Yeah. Chekhov didn't even uh, prepare us. <laughs> yeah. He just pulled the gun totally out of Totally out of the blue. Like, yeah. So he is ready to kill a hacket over his love for Helen. Yeah. As a single man, he just couldn't hack it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> this they, is why I'm not a writer for Wings. Yeah. <laughs> Joe uh, and Matt kind of wrestle their way into the back kitchen area. We hear a conflict, and then the gun goes off. Joe runs out of there, horrified, and we think he's just shot and probably killed Matt. I didn't truly think that because it's, it's a sitcom. <laughs> I didn't think so, it either, and I'm, but I was like, boy, oh boy, how are they going to dig their way out of this one? Yeah, I figured that there was something up mm-hmm. or at some point, because like, I think when she agreed to marry him so quickly, I was like, yes, eh, something yeah. seems awry. I agree. I caught a whiff of malarkey yeah. quite earlier than this, but this is when they go pot committed all in on, on the goofiness. Mm-hmm. And so Brian peeks into the window, like going into the back area. And then Matt pops up, making a crazy face. Yeah. And then Joe and Helen sneak up behind Brian, and they say, do they just go, the puppet master? Yeah. The puppet master! Uh, cue the Arrested Development line, and that's why you don't hire actors to woo your close friends only to reveal later that they're pilots. And it's revealed that I think Helen was tipped off probably by Joe pretty early on. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you, when do you think that she got tipped off? I think that same day, I think Joe probably... Do you think before the date? I do think before the date, because Joe, I don't think he has that characteristic that Brian has where he can emotionally manipulate people. I think so, too. I I think that he has to, like... I I would be the same way. I'd be like, 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 hey, like, this guy, you know, he's... He's an actor. Yeah. He playing you. Yeah, and I think he probably pulled in Matt and Helen, and they decided then and there how the rest of the plot should unfold. And if you go back and watch it, like, Joe's the one who introduced the idea of smashing the cello. Yeah. And so they probably kind of planned, plotted this whole scheme, and 
when we started off, I said it was like a Three's Company type plot, and it's 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 similar to a, a plot on Three's Company because it's just really far fetched and kind of wild, and yeah, and it required certain people not having all the information for it to make sense. Yeah, because uh, what do they say like at the end? Prop gun, fake cello, like as if like that explains the yes. entire ma- <laughs> machinations. <laughs> Oh, sure. I just went over to the fake cello store on yeah, the island. Exactly. I was thinking that, too. It's like, where do you get a fake cello? And at the end of the day, it had the body of a cello. It was made of wood like a cello. I noticed it didn't. There were no strings. Yes. So, like, yeah. I mean, I feel like you could probably buy, uh, like, you could find a thrift store maybe with, like, an old beat-up cello. Mm-hmm. But prop cello was kind of silly to me. I agree. I mean, yeah. it works for selling the story. But yeah. You know, I'm buying what they're selling. Maybe it could be like I would have said like a student cello. You know, like there yeah. are cheaper versions yeah. of instruments for people that are just learning. Okay, well, so we have the scene where it's Helen and Joe, and Helen's like, "So uh, that kiss surprised me," and he's like, "I thought we discussed the kiss," and she's like, um, "No, we didn't, but it's fine." Yeah. And he's like, "Well, good kiss, right?" And she's like, "Meh." Mm-hmm. She reveals that she likes soft lips and he's like a more firm lip. A firm lip boy? Yeah. And then she's like, we can do it like this. And she uh, does like another little... They kiss again. It's another porn element. Another yeah. porn porn plot. You know, pre- in season one we got, do you think I'm sexy? You can tell mm-hmm. me. And then this one we get like, let me show you how to kiss. It's just an acting exercise. Yeah, Helen's <laughs> acting exercise kissing. Yeah. And so they kiss... And then he uh, stumbles over like a a chair, which is yeah. really funny. And he, fa- she- he rolls on the floor. He falls back. It's yeah. the chairs. Rolls on the floor. Oh, dude, I have a I have a story about that. You do. In high school, there was this really really beautiful girl in my class named Shallon. She was in PE. I was working on some other project in the classroom. Mm-hmm. I went to a, like a kind of a small private school, by the way. So I was like in the in like the upper school classroom sitting at my desk, like, working on some project. Like, the rest of them, like, her and other people were, like, in PE. And she came back. Like, so I'm alone in this classroom. Mm-hmm. She pops in. And this is this girl, I think, I've always thought was just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. But, like, we don't, we're not, she and I aren't, like, talking to each other. But she pops back in. She sees me sitting there. And she goes, oh, hi, Emerson. You know, wearing, like, this, like, white PE shirt and these like, little shorts and stuff. And I was like, when she said that, I was like in the process of like sitting back down with like a dictionary. And I was like, oh, hi, Shallon. And I totally fumbled with the chair and fell. And like <laughs> the chair fell over and I fell to the floor. And I quietly just got back up and sat down. <laughs> and I think she kind of like laughed a little. And she probably thought it was kind of cute or something. And then she just went on her way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, what did you guys go on a date after that? Or? No, oh no, oh. no, not at all. Okay, no. <laughs> but um, so you had empathy for Joe in his um, post kiss kind yeah. of. Yeah, as a as a very socially awkward man, I can relate to like yeah. not not knowing how to like react to like kind of strong emotional moments or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't know if that's the right word. Um, and then Helen keeps her cool, which is kind of great. And then yeah. as soon as Joe leaves. She, like, dumps a cup of ice down her shirt. Yeah. So that was also really funny. So the, the audience is keyed in. Like, hey, they have, again, where the, the flame is ignited of their unrequited love for one yeah. another. Oh, shit. You know what? Also, 
No, no former fat jokes. Yeah, no this fat mentions. This is the second episode and the second episode in a row where we have no Helen used to be fat jokes. I wonder if like they kind of just shy away from that. I hope they do. I hope they just kind of pretend that it never existed. Yeah, I would love if like we just go the rest of the series without never ever hearing about that again. Me too. Me too. Like put that one to bed. Yeah. We kind of glossed over while this is going on just before oh, Joe yeah, and Helen the had kiss. that kiss. Uh, Lowell called Roy on the walkie-talkie to reveal that his head was caught between the bars of a fence. All are like the iron leave, bars. The iron bars, like like he that goes, episode of Leave It to Beaver. Doesn't he say something like, uh, "Hey, Roy, you know how I've always wondered if my head could fit between two <laughs> yes. iron bars?" He's like, "Well, it turns out I could." But either my head swole or my ears don't bend the other way. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's like uh, stuck, poor guy. Uh-huh. And um, we also, because earlier when Matt brings Helen the flower, he he mentions the fungo bat that he got chased with. So we know that Faye chased him with the fungo bat. And then he also mentions that there was some weird guy singing Moon River into a walkie-talkie. Yeah. So we, we established already that Lowell is a fan of uh, Moon, Henry Mancini's Moon River. Is that love story? Or is that um, Breakfast at Tiffany's? Yeah, I know it from Breakfast at Tiffany's. So yeah, Lo- Roy, Lowell asks for Roy to come rescue him because his head is stuck between the bars. And then after Helen pours the ice down her shirt, yeah, we're left in like a dark airport. And we just hear Lowell. And I love the reveal that, that he sees Roy. He's like, hey, Roy, I just saw a car that drove past that looks just like yours. It's like a purple El Camino or Who something. Who would have thought that there were two purple <laughs> El Caminos on Nantucket Island? God, I love that detail. You got you to gotta think that like Roy ordered that special. Yes. He was I, like, I want that purple El Camino. Bring I it over on the ferry. Freight plane? How did they get... I don't know. Oh, I guess they have probably have ships. Yeah, bring them over on a ship from from Boston Harbor or something. Yeah, yeah I could totally see Roy pulling up to the uh, porn video store in his purple El Camino. Oh, hell yeah. And Lowell, waiting for Roy, he sends us off singing Moon River. Which is why, ladies and gentlemen, you probably cannot find this streaming anywhere because I think that the music rights yes. were prob- probably an issue. I like when he breaks from the song to say, uh, Roy, are you my Huckleberry friend? <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's the episode of Wings. Yeah. So did you have any follow-up thoughts? Like, I, I think that I went through all my notes, basically. Yeah. You know, for for Lowell, we didn't, I didn't really get any, you know, he had a lot of funny business in this, but I didn't get any traits or characteristics that were like things about him. Uh, so I didn't add anything to our, our spreadsheet of lolisms this episode. Maybe his ponderance on whether or not his head fits yes. between objects could be he's something. Always, he's always wondered that. We yeah. also, I mean, I love learning that. I wonder if we should do like a, a subsequent one about Roy. Mm-hmm. We know that he likes to spend time behind the curtain at the video store. Yeah. Uh, he likes to, he drives a purple El Camino. Yeah. We we have not learned whether or not he's got like I'm I, I'm guessing he's a single man. I probably because yeah I, I don't think they would have made those like remarks about him renting his his dates of the videos or he would have made that remark himself. Yeah, yeah. Him and Faye we're learning are both kind of eccentric personalities as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to figure out 
if Lowell specifically works for Roy or if Lowell is kind of like more like a general maintenance guy for the whole airport. I think he works for the airport and I guess anyone can just call him up when they need something. But uh, what did it, what does he do when there's a conflict between, you know, Sandpiper Air needs this and uh, Roy needs, Aeromass needs that. I guess that's probably why Roy got him the walkie-talkie so he can kind of have him immediately there at his fingertips. You know, I've I've been filming events with my buddy Sean for like years and years and years. God, like 20, holy shit, like 24 years now, I think. Wow. Um, starting with like football games, uh, high school football games. Oh my God. By the way, like <laughs> like people, people make fun of Angelinos for like mm-hmm. um, wrapping up too much when it gets cold because it doesn't truly get we don't get snow here yes but it, it gets this like kind of biting cold that gets under your skin and so i'm mm-hmm. i'm not gonna say that i can truly defend how cold it is but i will say that i've never been colder in los angeles than up like up 30 40 feet on like a cherry picker or yes. scissor lift at a high school football game like up in like santa clarita or something just like a november night I was like in a long sleeve shirt under a hoodie with a beanie on and just like had the hood over the beanie and the, you know, the little strings inside the hood pulled tight. I was still just shivering. It gets so cold at those games. Anyway, the reason why I mentioned that is that at some point Sean picked up um, like walkie talkies that we could communicate to each other with like during like we, we shot some bigger events and it was it's really fun mm-hmm. like you know to have somebody in your ear going like all right so uh hold wide i'm gonna zoom in right now all right i'm zoomed in i'm ready so feel free to move mm-hmm. like having that kind of constant communication yes feels fun kind of funny uh professional yes and that's what it felt like with roy i agree and like do you remember nextel phones Oh, yeah. They had like a built-in walkie-talkie, walkie-talkie function. Yeah. And um, I had those when I worked at Roto-Rooter. And it's, it is, I'm really surprised that another cell phone manufacturer hasn't come out and come out with something because it is kind of a kick to chirp in and that sound of the bleep, bleep. Yeah. I remember that. Bleep. Yeah. Maybe that'll be the next iPhone feature on iPhone 15 or something. Yeah. Walkie-talkie mode. And then they could be like pressuring Samsung users about that too. Mm-hmm. Oh, why don't you buy an iPhone so I can walkie-talkie you? I know I can't. <laughs> as a as an Android user, I get harassed a lot by people. Oh, yeah. About getting an iPhone because if you send me if you try to text me a video from your iPhone, it gets downsized. iPhone users are convinced that like Android phones can't receive certain messages. Yes. And so I don't know. I'm. There might be some truth to it, but also I'm also convinced that Apple might Apple's creating these problems because it's a way for them to get their users to like sell phones for them. It's true. Yeah, you, you're gonna pressure like my sister is pressuring pressuring me to like have an iPhone so I can and like I I love seeing videos of like my nieces and nephews, so I do kind of miss that. But she could just send it to me through yeah something other like Google Drive app. or something. Yeah, like, di- yeah, a different app. Apple has created an army of Justin Longs out there giving us smarmy. Oh, but you have you seen Justin Long's recent commercials? Uh, no, I'm I'm just thinking back to the Mac versus PC. Yeah, Jared, he's doing commercials for PC now. You're lying. I'm not me. lying. It's just like the Verizon guy. The, yeah, the the Verizon guy who who flipped a Sprint or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you hear me now? 
He's okay. like doing it for um and so I, I actually had this thought recently. Um I mean sorry, I'll I'll try to preserve this pretty quickly because we should probably be in the episode soon. <laughs> but um do you think that like future commercial contracts will have to have like almost like lifetime things built yeah, in? Like because a- like what if Flo started doing commercials for Geico? Yes. Yeah, right. what if the Affleck duck? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're right. It used to be uncool if a celebrity did an advertisement. Now it's whatever. But mm-hmm. I think the only thing less cool than that is someone flipping and, you know, being a disloyal person. I'm all for it. I say fucking go for it. Yeah. It's also so funny because well, like, I, I want my phone to receive calls and text messages and to listen to podcasts. Yes. Beyond that, yeah. I don't really care. Yeah. I, if I like, if I'm looking at like a thousand dollar phone and it's got all these features on it, those features will excite me for like that that one moment mm-hmm. where I'm looking at the features. Beyond that, I'm like, this thing's just sitting in my pocket playing wings wings nuts. Yes. <laughs> on on my podcast app, and uh, and that's it. Slowly giving you testicular cancer. So um, what do you what do you want to rate this guy? You know, I will say the in terms of the machinations of the plot, I don't love the kind of that hijinks kind of plot. Yeah, it's not my favorite kind of plot, but I'm still going to go with three stripes because there were some really humorous high moments. And I appreciate the lack of Helen used to be fat jokes. You know, there were some UG moments. The the Koreans eat eat dogs is, is definitely one, but Yeah, and Brian Brian like cannot be friends with women apparently. Yes. Yeah. So there there was those icky bits, but it, this feels like a three striper to me. I'm gonna even go beyond you. I'm I'm probably gonna do three three captain stripes and one wing. One wing. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. That's like three point two five, I think. Cool. Because I liked, I thought this episode was really funny. I think that like the walkie-talkie bit is really fun, and I love like I love Lowell whispering to Faye. I love like yeah, the... I love him just somehow assuming that that Roy left the walkie-talkie with Faye. Yes. <laughs> Faye, and are you still there? <laughs> as funny as Lowell always is, something about like he's just as funny, if not a little more funny, when you just hear his voice. Mm-hmm. I loved hearing him sing. Without without him being a physical presence for most of the show, Lowell still loomed large and brought many moments of um, hilarity. And I thought that the like that the twist in the plot line made it really fun. That mm-hmm. like, you know, it's Brian playing this puppet master, and then the, like there's the first twist where Helen knows that he's acting, and then the second twist where they're both where they're all playing a prank on Brian. I thought that was all really really fun. More twists than a gnome pitlick movie. <laughs> the picked sense. Yes. <laughs> the pitlick sense. <laughs> I thought they did a great job also of like kind of hitting every every beat twice. Like we see the fun go back mm-hmm. come back come back later. The Moon River is introduced and comes back later. Mm-hmm. I might I might give it an extra wing if uh if we didn't end the episode with Lowell's head trapped. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because I like did the episode and I was like, poor Lowell. <laughs> they should have just cut, like silently cut to him the next morning, the sun rising. And he's just like 
like Jack Nicholson in The Shining at the end, like in the, with his head between the bars. <laughs> yeah. He just like froze to death in the cold Nantucket air. With ghosts of owls pecking out his eyes. <laughs> the revenge of the owls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we talked about season two, episode one of Wings. And did we mention Wings has now moved to Friday nights? Oh, we had we didn't know. Yeah, so just to note, uh, we were on a Thursday night, must-see TV, but now Wings for season two kicks off on Friday nights following Night Court. Oh, and I did want to say that because Wings got moved to um, Friday night, the the issue of the Boston Globe that we're looking at is actually like a, sm- a shorter version. Yes. Well, that does it for Wings Nuts this week. Uh, We'll be back next week with episode two of season two, the story of Joe, available on Peacock. Yeah, Paramount Plus. Oh, Paramount Plus. Yes, yeah. But that's it for us. You can find us now on Twitter and Instagram. We'd like to thank EJ Fojas for our theme music. Uh, Emerson, thank you so much for sitting down to talk about Wings with me. Yeah, thank you, Blockbuster, for making this a special night. Mm-hmm. And thank you, Jared, for co-hosting. Oh, Hosting. of course. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.